Cloud. Jim Suhan today is brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. Morning, Jim. Good morning, Jim. All right, so the Minnesota Wild are back from the All-Star break. They get a win at Chicago. I know Chicago hasn't been that good this year, but still 2-1 victory. Um, your thoughts on that latest Wild win? Chicago's the worst team in the NHL. Uh, their best player and their hope for the future is out, and the Wild played really poorly but found a way to win. Uh, Felino gets a, a late tip in. Uh, I, Gustafson was, I thought, really good. He was all over the place. They got luck, very lucky on a late play where Gustafson went way out of the crease and a shot hit bank, banked off uh, Letary as he was kind of standing in for Gustafson in the crease. Otherwise, it could have been much reserved. So hard to praise them. They didn't play well. Uh, most teams, they would have lost to almost everybody else in the NHL. But they do get the two points. It keeps them somewhat alive. But it's unlikely they're going to be a buyer at the trade deadline, right? Oh, God. I, I mean, I, I can't tell you. I can't predict the future. I can't tell you what Bill Guerin's going to do. I would just say that it would be foolish to invest in this team. It's a bad team. If they were to sell pieces, what do they have that might be appealing? And what would the return be something that they'd be looking for? I mean, they kind of need everything. They could use draft picks. They could use young talent. Uh, they could use prospects. Um, you know, you're trading if the team you're trading with is trying to win now. So you're not going to get an immediate, you know, good player back. You're going to get somebody who's a, a developmental piece. Um, I don't know. Maybe Felino might interest some people. Uh, Spurgeon's hurt. You're not going to trade Brodeen. You're not going to trade. A, I mean, you know, if maybe if somebody wanted Flurry as a backup goalie uh, for the playoffs, maybe you get some value there. Uh, I don't know. There, I don't. You know, maybe Hartman. I don't know. You know, there's nobody like who's going to lead the trade, uh, spec the ranks of trade speculation. And but there's there there are pieces that a playoff team might give you something for. And hey, by the way, you asked me a question yesterday. I didn't know how to answer. Let me get to it. Yeah. You asked me about Vegas, uh, the A's moving to Vegas. Basically, what you're what is going on is the Las Vegas mayor really doesn't want the A's to build a ballpark on the strip. She thinks she's going to make things congested. She doesn't like the layout. The A's, because they do almost everything poorly, haven't really explained exactly how the ballpark would be laid out. She doesn't have the jurisdiction, though. It's Clark County jurisdiction, but she's just expressing the opinion that she doesn't want you know, a big ballpark messing up the strip. Uh, there's also the possibility it could end up in North Las Vegas, which is kind of the boom area in the Vegas area right now. Um, and she's She's also saying that she knows, you know, her sources are telling her that uh, there could be still a deal to be done in Oakland. Oakland wants a, a beautiful new ballpark on the water in Oakland. And she's kind of, this is, but this is like, this isn't really official stuff. This is one person's opinion of what should happen. I don't know how much she actually has influence or how much she actually knows. Well, and you've been to Vegas many times before. If you're staying in the hotel there, it tells you you're in paradise. Paradise, Nevada, not even in Las Vegas. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's it's a weird place. And here's the other thing, uh, you know, the other thing is that uh, even if they started work on the ballpark soon, it wouldn't be ready until 2028, and and the A's have not secured a place to play in the three intervening years. So you know, maybe what's going to happen here is they just continue on in the Coliseum while talks continue, and nobody goes to games. Uh, yeah, nobody's going to go to the games. And, and listen, I think Vegas would, 
I don't think Vegas. I don't think baseball would be the draw in Vegas that the NBA is or the NFL is. So those are big event. You know, it's a big event city. You know, NBA games and WNBA games. Um, I, I should have said WNBA games, but obviously they've had the All Star game there too with the NBA. Uh, you know, those sports are kind of have a feeling of a big event. They kind of fit the uh, Las Vegas mentality. I don't know if people are going to go sit out in the sun and watch baseball for four hours in Vegas. I don't. I don't know if it's a great fit. Jim, some other things going on. Uh, let's see. We've got um, the Twins have officially signed Carlos Santana and uh, Jay Jackson, relief pitcher. Uh, I think we talked on this on Monday in regards to what Santana's role is likely going to be. Um, do you see them using him against both righties and lefties, or is he at least going to start the year as the primary right-handed part of a platoon at first base? Oh, I think he, I think he's going to be the first baseman. Uh, he is a very good fielder. Um, he is a, you know, he, he's still a capable hitter. Of course, you don't know exactly what you're going to get somebody that age. Uh, you never know when they're going to drop off, but he, he's a, you know, he's a capable, uh, still a very capable hitter. I really think this is, you know, they don't, the idea that teams sit around sending messages is kind of usually silly. I don't think they're sending a message to Alice Kirilov. I think they're just saying, they're just admitting that, hey, we don't know what you're going to get from, from Kirilov. You know, you, you just have no idea. Um, he could be hurt all year. He could be great. He could be not great. So um, I think Carlos Santana is just their first baseman. Now, now you know, they, they use a different lineup every day. It doesn't mean he's going to be there every day. They're going to look for matchups. Uh, he's 38 years old, so they're not going to play him every single night. Uh, but I think he's their first baseman. He also hits uh, – he hits – there could be some platoon opportunities there. Last year, he hit better against lefties than he did against righties. So, yeah, it could be a 70% Santana, 30% Kirilov. Uh, it could be, yeah, it could be 70, you know, if, if Brooks Lee comes on, it could be 70% Santana, 30% Julian. Um, but what, they, what they're obviously trying not to do here, if they had full confidence that Kirilov could be your everyday first baseman and stay healthy, they'd probably go that route. But he just hasn't stayed healthy or been as productive as they envisioned him being. Do they kind of view Kirilov at this point that if he can't, you know, figure it out soon where, I mean, the sting healthy thing, that's, that's one thing, but the production, does he need to start producing? Otherwise they're going to look at different options and maybe this is what they're already doing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and listen, they, they still see potential there. They still see a guy who takes, who is capable of taking a good at bats, but at some point you just got to do it at some point being promising isn't enough. And and listen, it's not like they're going to cut them immediately or anything like that. Um, they tend to not give up on talented young players until they have to make a big financial decision about them. So, you know, they'll play out the string, but Kirilov is guaranteed zero at bats. He's got to, he's got to earn them. Jim, how do they view Kepler different than they did last year? Well, they're very encouraged that he came on second half of last year. Um, you know, he was at a, and, and I will say this, and I was told at the time, and Falvey later confirmed it to me for a column I wrote, um, when everybody was way down on Kepler, including me, when every pretty much 90% of uh, Twins Nation was ready to ship him out for nothing, just get rid of him, including me, uh, Falvey really believed in him. He thought that the underlying metrics show that he still hit the ball hard, that he still took good at bats, uh, that he's excellent right fielder uh, in a, and baseball is evolving to a point now where fielding is even more important than it used to be because you're not going to just hit eight home runs to win games. 
So Falvey believed in Kepler. He believed that he was better than his numbers showed. Second half proved he was right. But I don't think anybody's completely, I don't think anybody goes into the season with just 100% confidence that Kepler's going to keep producing like that. He's He had a bad playoffs. Uh, he had a bad first half last year. He had really three or four bad years in a row. So he once again, they see value there, especially with his love. But we don't know what he's going to do at the plate. Jim, you think Brooks Lee, if he does well this spring, could earn a spot on the opening day roster? Or is he a guy that will see time at some point this year, but just not right away? I think if he makes the opening day roster, it'll be because of an injury creating a spot. I think they want, I mean, listen, he's a great prospect and he has all kinds of tools, but he hasn't really dominated the minor leagues the way he would like a prospect to dominate before you call him up. So I think if everybody's healthy, he doesn't make the opening day roster and he has to earn his way up here or be ready for when somebody does get hurt because that's going to happen. But I, I, as, as good a prospect as he is, they'd like him to have a dominant year or a dominant stretch in the minor leagues before he becomes the big leagues. Is Walker Jenkins a year away from making a major league debut or is there a chance he, he ends up showing up here at some point this year? I think he's still so young. Um, I think you would like to see with a, a player of his talent. I just think if you call him up too early and he gets exposed through inexperience and gets embarrassed and can't make contact, you might set him back a little bit. I, I don't think you need to want to rush this guy. Um, he, he's tremendous talent. You know, there are some scouts who think he might be the next like Bryce Harper type hitter, but yeah, don't mess with him. You know, let let him. He's a very confident young man. Uh, let him continue to build confidence. Let me let him dominate each level. Uh, I would say you don't rush him. Uh, any uh, trade rumors in regards to the Timberwolves that you're hearing? Well, they did make the trade. They traded for Monty Morris. Uh, oh, okay. Deal. Um, and he played for Connolly in Denver. His former second round pick of Connolly's, and he really has the attributes. He's not exactly Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is more of a pure point guard, but he shoots 39% from three. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over much. He is your, he is the new backup point guard. They traded Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and a second-round draft pick for him. And he's a good enough shooter to space the floor, and he's a good enough ball handler to be your backup point guard. He is a really nice fit. Um, you know, the, the price for Tyus Jones was too high. The Wolves don't have a first-round draft pick to trade so they got they were able to get this guy for really spare parts, and he, you know, who knows how he's going to fit in exactly, but he has attributes that are really nice. He was a double-digit double scorer the last three years. He dealt with a quad injury this year uh, that kept him off the court, but he, he he's a nice fit. Do you know if he'll play tonight? I think he would, but I'm not sure. Uh, and is he the type of guy that? Uh... If you do have Conley out for a period of time, that you feel comfortable with him as a starting point guard? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a starting point guard in the NBA, but I think he's a nice fill-in. Uh, is he under contract just for this year, or don't you know? Uh, I haven't looked that up. I can probably, probably figure that out as we're talking here. Okay. Um, so, is that it? Do you think, as far as moves? I mean, that that was the position backup point guard that we had talked about. That that was something they were looking for. Do you think that that's all that they're going to do? Yes. Uh, you know, they really, I mean, they kind of use their trade pieces uh, here. I mean, they just don't have much more they can trade unless they wanted 
I didn't know who. Um, unless, unless somebody's really interested in one of their deve- developmental players, uh, like you know Garza, or I don't. I don't think they're going to trade Leonard, Leonard um, Miller. Miller. I, I so I, I think this is it. I mean, they need. They wanted two things, and and listen, they have a deep. They, they have an eight-man rotation that isn't going to change. They wanted a better option at nine. And this is it. Uh, yeah, he's he's a free agent after this year. Okay. Um, so this is it. I mean, they wanted they wanted a shooter to space the floor. They wanted a backup point guard, true backup point guard that they could trust to leave on the floor. Where McLaughlin's more of a burst guy. Uh, this is their move. All right, Jim. What do you got in your podcast? Uh, full slaves up at talknorth.com. Good preps day with John Malay. It'll be out later today. We'll do um, Jeff Diamond show and get that out. In the next 24 hours, we'll do a chin music for the end of the weekend, and everything's at talknorth.com. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune's podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. News coming up next here on WJON.